I want to talk to you about truth. And why we can't believe it. Why we have so much trouble with it. Now, again, I must warn you in these times that if you think truth and lie is political, you get another political sermon today. Hopefully it's not as long. But if you think that truth is a good thing for Christians to consider when we follow the guy, the Savior, the Son of God that calls himself, what? The way, the truth, and the life. Well, then this is a faithful sermon. I mean, after all, truth is Jesus' middle name. We should be able to talk about that as Christians. What is going on in this scripture? Is this the weirdest scripture ever? Is it true? Ooh, that's a tough one. If you're saying, Christy, is it true? Is this a transcript of a conversation between heaven and hell and between Abraham and the rich man who has no name and Lazarus who doesn't say a word in the whole darn story? Is that true? Is it a transcript? Did Fox News have a reporter there transcribing everything? Was it on a podcast? Was it captured by a secret recording device? Was there, is there video? If there's video, it didn't happen. If you say all that about being true, well, I don't know. If you're saying, Christy, is this a roadmap to heaven and hell? Is this a way to uh, figure out how we can go with heaven and hell? Can we measure the actual chasm? How deep is it? How wide? Can we sing about it deep and wide or what? Uh, is it true that way? I'm not so sure. And if you step back further and you say, Christy, Christy, is this all about uh, heaven is a place where uh, those who has a lot get tormented, the rich gets tormented, and those that suffer gets comfortable. So it's okie doke, the great wealth inequality and divide today, because after all, it'll get all sorted out in the afterlife. Is that what this scripture is about? Now, most preachers will tell you that the whole thing is on the last one, that even if someone would rise from the dead, they would not believe him. And Jesus is kind of predicting what would happen when he come back from the dead and people don't believe him. Eh, but I don't know if Jesus was really thinking about that when he told the story. What is true in this story? Strangely. I think what is true is the last line. That people don't believe based on evidence, based on what they see and what they know. They based, they do it the other way around. We don't take a whole bunch of little evidence and then come up with the truth. We don't do that as a people, as a species, as human beings. We don't do that. We're not like a whole bunch of scientific instruments and measurements and, and rulers and spectrographs and that we figure out what is true. We're not like the James Webb telescope where we look out, we take those photons and assemble them into galaxy and the truth of the universe. We don't do that. There is a, there is a, a book called Noise that just came out and it's by, the, by a, a really big thinker uh, named Daniel Kahneman. 
Here's what he said on Science Friday in July. We have the wrong idea about where beliefs come from, our own or those of others. We think we believe in whatever we believe because we have evidence for it. Because we have reasons for believing. Reasons. When you ask people, why do you believe that? They are not going to stay dumb. They're going to speak. They're going to give you reasons that they are convinced explain their beliefs. But actually, the correct way to think about this is to reverse it. People believe in reasons because they believe in the conclusion. The conclusion comes first for us humans. And the belief in the conclusion is many cases is largely determined by social factors. You believe that people you love and trust believe and you find reasons to believe it. And they tell you your reasons for believing that and you accept their reasons. For it is largely a social phenomenon. It is not an error of reasoning because reasoning isn't involved until after you've made your decision and conclusion. And by that, by the way, is true to your beliefs and my beliefs. Your beliefs and my beliefs reflect what we've been socialized. It reflects the company we keep. It reflects our belief in certain ways of reaching conclusion, like a belief in the scientific method. Other people just have different beliefs because they've been socialized differently. And because they have different beliefs, they accept different kinds of evidence. And the evidence that we think is overwhelming just doesn't convince them of anything. And it's only gotten worse with social media and fractional. You know, when I grew up, there was three networks, four if you can, a UHF, but who watches news on that? And there was three networks in the t and the paper, and the newspaper. That was it. That's all you got. Uh, but now, you can fine-tune your reality down to the very last demographic point. If you want to see only Trump news all the time, you just switch on this channel. Or you get this Facebook feed. And Facebook tracks how long you watch things. And it'll show you more like that. YouTube's even worse. That the more you watch stuff, the more that kind of stuff you get. So suddenly you're in a very tight little bubble of social news and information that you are not exposed to anything else. And of course, when you're clicking on it, you're clicking on stuff that interests you that already support your conclusions and what you think. And we're just never going to get to the truth. So, in Twitter, I don't know if anybody has Twitter, but on TweetDeck, that if you click on uh, an article, it said an article, uh, whatever you wanted to call it, is terrible, awful. You click on it and say, I want to I retreat this. I want to I wanna pass it on. Twitter will stop you now and says, uh, do you want to read that first <laughs> before you send it out to everybody? <laughs> How do I know that? <laughs> Oops. We come to a conclusion and then we find reasons. So you say to yourself, 
You see, so how can people believe the big lie? It's obvious to me that the election was fair. I mean, they've had 60 court cases, and then we'll go after our reasons one after another. But it doesn't matter because we went from conclusions to reasons, not reasons to conclusion. And the other people do the same way. Of course, it was stolen because there was boat parades, and Trump is the greatest ever, and he told us that it was stolen. And they have all these reasons, too, but it doesn't really matter because they started just like us with the conclusions and then went for the reasons afterwards. What can you do if our whole life, our whole belief system, the way we live, the way we look at the world, the way we vote, the way we talk to another is conclusion first, reasonings to support it after. What is there to do? There's a great movie. The video's coming up. There's a great movie called Secondhand Lions from 2003. I heartily recommend it. Uh, it, it got a little punchy at places, but not so bad compared to today. Uh, and, and one of those things is there's a mystery of the two men and where the heck they come from. They were gone for 40 years. They supposedly have a lot of money, like buried treasure money. And where they've been 40 years, and supposedly they were in Africa and had these wild adventures. And they were telling them to their great uh, nephew, uh, Walter. And Walter confronts Hub about those stories in our clip today. <laughs> those stories about Africa, about you, they're true, aren't they? It does too. Around my mom, all I hear is lies. I don't know what to believe. Yeah, if you want to believe something, believe it. Just because something isn't true, that's no reason you can't believe it. Right. The long speech I give the young man sounds like you need to hear a piece of it. It's peace. Sometimes, things that may or may not be true are the things that man needs to believe in the most. The people are basically good. That honor, courage, and virtue mean everything. That power and money, money and power mean nothing. That good always triumphs over evil. And I want you to remember this, that love <laughs> doesn't matter whether it's true or not you can still believe in it do we agree on that can we choose what we believe and then find reasons to come back 
Why do we believe? We can say, well, we've been socialized to believe the Bible and the scriptures and the Savior and the stories and the Sunday school and all that stuff. But, you know, um, hey, you know that's what, that's what our, our friend, the author, says. But, you know, he doesn't go far enough because it's not just what we believe and what we experienced and what we, we figured out, what we socialized. I don't think so. I don't think he gives a, enough. I don't think he gives enough um, uh, thought to it, too. Because, you know... Uh, what we believe is partly, and what we talk about is what the received canon is, what the received faith is, that goes not just what we know, uh, certainly, hopefully not just the faith is based only on what we've experienced, but it's through the history of the church and thousands of years and experiences that go all the way back to those that actually knew Jesus and those that were with him and around him and around the witnesses that wrote the Gospels and it comes back through us through thousands of years. So it's not just what we experience, but what the church has experienced, the people have experienced. You know, like it's like it's on, uh, it's like having blue check marks on Twitter. You know, these are verified sources that we believe it. But, and he's right in that we don't believe things because we actually found Noah's Ark and it's preserved wood and we did carbon dating and we found all sorts of uh, how age it is and we all sorts, all sorts of different debris from animals. And so we know that was Noah's Ark. And so we know, no, we don't do that. That part's true. We believe what we believe because of what we see it in the lives of other people. Not just social things, but how we see other people live out their lives. There was a woman named Terry. Terry came to the church I served. Terry did not believe in God. She was right out front saying she was not believing God. But oh my gosh, she was there every Sunday. So she was there every Sunday uh, with, with her partner, who was a big God believer. And she came and she listened for years. She lifted me yell at her. I mean, preach like I do. And uh, she finally came and be baptized. She was um, in her 50s. And accepted Jesus Christ. Cause, not because it was proven to her. But because she saw the difference in the life of her partner and the friends and the church and she saw what it meant to other people what it prompted others to her, her partner was a great deacon leader of the deacons just always helping people everywhere all the time and she was baptized became a member elected to session served on session and then when I left that church she was my reference. And it wasn't because I proved Christianity to her by the four spiritual laws or anything else that lay from uh, reasoning to, con to conclusion. It was because she had the conclusion, you know, this Christian thing seems to be working out pretty good for these people. They're pretty good people that are around here. And she went that way. He knows Jesus doesn't really give an entire theological course, the systematic theology of Jesus is not a thing in the Bible. He doesn't say one after another, how does the Trinity work? He doesn't say how does salvation work? He doesn't even say what effectual calling is. And we get tested on that in seminary and there's nothing from Jesus on it. He doesn't say anything. What does he do? He tells stories about people and their lives and how they lived and how they treated other people. 
And he says, this is the way that people treat one another. This is the way the kingdom is. This is the way people work out. He healed people. He healed the sick. He didn't say, give me your testimony. And uh, also, you're going to have to uh, be baptized. You're going to have to do it. No, he healed the sick. Whoever was brought to him. He healed the Roman servant, the Roman, the occupier, the military, the, the colonizer, the one that, that, that beat down and will eventually kill him. He healed the servants. Are we going to say friend? Well, that's another sermon. There's no faith there. But he was showing them how we live in the kingdom. So... You got some friends, one way or the other. I don't know which way they are. We are now going to take a survey. I will be checking your cars for bumper stickers later and taking notes. But you're not going to change one way or the other by arguing them with proof and conclusions. I mean, just look at the thing. Things going, going on. <laughs> they go, uh, they go down to Mar Mar-a-Lago and, and, and do an FBI raid. And there's also, oh, a raid. It's terrible. It's awful. What the heck are you doing? There's nothing there. And they go, well, okay, uh, there was box, boxes of classified secrets. Oh, it was obviously planted. It's not really that important. <laughs> Evidence doesn't matter if you've already, because we've already come to our conclusion and we're just looking for reasons to support it. So what Hub tells us and what Jesus tells us and what I'm telling you is that choose straight up what you're going to believe. And then go around the world making that happen. Making reasons for other people to believe that what you write is true. Hub. If you believe all people are basically good, what are you going to be looking for? You're going to be looking at evidence that all people are basically good. That's a pretty good way to spend your life. If you believe that honor, courage, and virtue mean everything, that is what you're going to work on. You're going to work on being honorable, being courageous, being virtuous. And you're going to be looking for that in other people. And pointing that out and lifting that up and celebrating that. If you believe that money and power, power and money mean nothing. Well, you're going to live your life that way. And you're going to look for reasons why money and power, power and money mean nothing. If you believe good always triumphs over evil. I always like the saying, uh, good always triumphs over evil at the end. And if good hasn't triumphed yet, it's not the end. You're going to be looking to do that. Looking for reasons to believe that, to celebrate that, to promote that, to pass it along. The same thing with true love. True love never dies. There's a lot of problems in the scripture we could go on and on. I know you like long sermons, but uh, what's going on in that scripture? But, you know, even, even if you hear the sermon about, oh my gosh, he's ordering Lazarus around, even though Lazarus is dead and kind of not his servant anymore, because, you know, dead, uh, you know, and, and he doesn't even treat him. He won't even go himself. He doesn't even ask himself, uh, oh, Abraham, forgive me for being such a big jerk. That would be a whole different sermon there if he did that. But it's a story. And Jesus was telling us that people don't come to faith by people telling them and arguing with them 
about how they're wrong and how they should live different. It comes from us living different. From us choosing what we believe and living that way of getting our conclusion and then making the reasons in world and in our lives to support that conclusion. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we were the proof that faith and courage and virtue where the most important that power, that power and money means nothing and that true love is forever, never ends. Wouldn't that be great if that was our conclusion and we spent our life coming up with reasons why that's true? Much better than arguing with other people about how that should be. Because even if someone comes back from the dead, they're not going to believe it. But they will not believe it. But we can live it. And we can pass it on by our lives. Amen.